Hello and welcome to Darren's Dash, a quick guide to some of the films you may have missed, but that I didn't. I, for one, are looking forward to this. Today's Dash includes The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Encounter and Belle. To discuss these films with Darren and me, that's Jeff, Graham, Neil and Phil. Now, without further ado, it's over to Darren. First up is Belle, a Japanese anime from Amore Hosada, who worked many years ago for Studio Ghibli and now has his own venture called Studio Chizu. Belle is about a schoolgirl called Susie, who it is clear from the start is dealing with the trauma of losing her mother when she was a child. Because of this, she finds it hard to communicate with her father and she has all the other problems of being being a schoolchild. But she does find solace in a brand new vast virtual reality called You, where she and her friend create a beautiful avatar identity for her called Belle, where she becomes a sensation as a massively popular singer. While she is performing at a massive concert as Belle, an aggressive dragon-like avatar crashes and ruins the concert. This is apparently a well-known figure on the world of You, and she becomes intrigued by him and wants to know his secret identity. She tracks him down to a secluded castle on the edges of the virtual world. It's pretty clear at this point, as she tries to befriend him, that this is a story of retelling of Beauty and the Beast. First up, what I've got to say about this film is, it is absolutely glorious. It is beautiful. I mean, the, the opening scene where Belle is performing to this massive audience of these really weird avatars it's absolutely breathtaking and just as important of the absolutely magical uh, visuals are the songs which are incredibly catchy the voice for Belle is absolutely gorgeous and there's one particular song that uh, for a time made me think it was going to go into um, let it go territory it was so catchy mm. i just saw this as a dubbed version both both the dubbed and the subtitle versions have been doing the the rounds as it happened i could only get to the dubbed version when normally anything i i would go for the subtitle one just for some authenticity this one i actually think it did benefit on the first time viewing because i was really able to throw myself into the songs and the lyrics which are really important where if i'd have been reading the subtitles at the same time i probably would have been taken out of it somewhat and also i've got to say in, in previous years when it comes to anime the voice casts have really improved they actually get really good voice actors in these things they really take care to do that whereas one time it was always an afterthought Either way, subtitled or dubbed, I think this is a, you know, a wonderful experience. But, and, I, and I do like that I actually saw the dub versions because I could really get into the songs more. There is a lot going on in this film. I mean, obviously, because of the virtual reality, you have some pretty on-the-nose commentary on social media and also the latest crazes. You know, you, you could tell that was a bit of a, you know, a TikTok from the way that the um, you know everyone sort of embraces new um, you thing. There's a lot of things about sort of uh, you know uh, identity and, and being yourself, which are always sort of tropes in a lot of these sort of anime movies. There are also some very dark themes later on, right? particularly when it comes to the uh, the true identity of of the beast and why he acts the way he he does. And and it gets very adult. The the thing to remember is that Japanese anime has this edge to it that treats even younger audiences with some maturity. 
while films like, say, Disney and Pixar have weighty themes about them, they always retain this really glowy, feel-good sense of, of innocence to them. And stuff is very much used as metaphors, whereas Japanese anime is very basically sort of, you know, on the nose. It will deal with sort of like, you know, disturbing storylines for, you know, for, for youngsters. I think Bell really embraces those things, and but still retains that really sort of colourful visuals. It's, it's a really sort of contrast between the real world and this sort of stylized version of yourself that you present. This film is absolutely magical. I mean, I was absolutely blown away, but there were bits of animation in there that were just as as good as anything I, I've ever seen. It still retains that sort of classical animation look where i think films right with disney and pixar they're going in a completely different direction in how their animation it's becoming so with anime in america it's becoming so sort of realistic in gestures and everything but it's almost becoming like a live action movie but animated whereas anime still retains that sort of that, that drawn look about it you know it's never gone away from the, the, the cartoon aspects of it I thought this was absolutely enchanting. Had some wonderful characters, you know, the visuals were, were, were absolutely dazzling. And the story was really moving and got really sort of intense towards the end. But this is one that I, I really recommend people checking out. Even if you're not an anime fan as such, I think it's one which is really accessible. I really recommend this one. Okay, thanks, Darren. I'm sad to say that I haven't actually seen any of the films we're going to discuss tonight. Has anybody else seen Bell? No, wh- where is it on? No. What's, what service is it on? Cinemas. It was, it was, it was, in, cinema. the, it was oh, in the right. cinema. Oh, it's just yeah. gone. Oh, God. Yeah. Right. yeah, I saw it. I've seen two of the four this, this time. So I've seen it. I think I've mentioned before on the show that my brother and I used to love anime when we were kids. So uh, my brother and I both went to see this. Um, we went separately because, you know, don't like him that much, but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we we both wanted to see it. But we, you, we couldn't go together, but we both w- watched it, and then we had a you know we had a conversation about it afterwards. And I half agree with Darren, but I also would caveat it with I feel that to some extent I'm not the anime fan that I was. So the the stuff that I, I agree with is it looks phenomenal. It, to be honest, it doesn't matter how good the story is and, and the things that I didn't like about it. You should watch this film just because it looks absolutely ridiculously amazing. The scenes where she's in her concerts and, and anything like that are just stunning. I could just end there. The recommendation should be captured just because it probably will be the best animated feature that you've ever seen, as far as I'm concerned. The music that Darren mentioned is... It, you know, it's also brilliant. Obviously, it's a Japanese idol type stuff. Um, I watched the subtitled version, and it was still great. And and to be to be fair, I liked being able to read the lyrics, so I definitely knew what she was saying. <laughs> I wanted to put out there that I loved the subtitle as well. So the subtitle of the film is "The Dragon and the Freckled Princess," which I thought was quite good. That's good. Um, hmm. So where I don't necessarily agree. And, and my brother, for what it's worth, and the reason I mentioned that is my brother agrees with Darren. So this is kind of, I'm in the minority here. And this is where I feel like I've grown a little bit out of Japanese animation. Whilst Darren's right, it does go into sort of slightly darker territory. 
the issue that I have with a lot of Japanese animation now is that it is always very often from a child or teenager's viewpoint. And what that means is it's a really overly earnest, overly simplistic view of things. And I sometimes find that grating. Now, I loved this film for about 90 minutes when it's talking about this girl's life in a rural village and how she's having difficulty dealing with the fact that her mother died and her relationship with her father has has soured as a result. And I really enjoyed the storyline about online toxicity and how children manage the new online world that they kind of, you know, is integral to their lives. I really enjoyed all of that. The final third of the film, and I won't ruin it, goes into a slightly darker tone, and Darren's kind of alluded to that. I felt that that was absolutely unearned, and I also felt that it was handled really, really badly and in a tone-deaf way. And I don't want to say what it is because I think it's integral to the story that you don't know what that is going into it. But I didn't like it and I felt that it was badly managed because it is a a strong and touchy subject. But everything else, you know, it is visually spectacular. And for 90 minutes, I really, really loved it. But last year, there was an animation called Weathering Weathering with you, I think it was. I think you watched that as well, Dan. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. That was equally spectacular in terms of imagery. Had an overly earnest teenage viewpoint on its subject, but I enjoyed its finale more than I enjoyed this finale. Okay, I'm amazed you haven't seen it, Neil. No, I, I just got out of sync with the whole week as well. Um, so unfortunately I missed it um, and that's just disappeared. It's not even in the Tivoli either. So I've got to wait for it to be on video on demand. Okay. Well, thank you for that, Darren. That's interesting. I'd uh, certainly check that out for the look of it. Hmm. Uh, over then to the film I was hoping to see but never got round to. So I'll listen to what you got to say before I decide if I am going to see it now. Encounter is uh, an Amazon Prime movie that came out last year and I somehow managed to uh, completely miss this until recently. It's the, um, the sort of film that I normally sort of like, you know, get right into. This is a, um, a sci-fi virus movie, I guess you could call it, starring Riz Ahmed. And, and I'll start by saying that this is one of the most excellent looking openings that uh, I've seen for, for a while where we get to see what appears to be a small meteor uh, crashing into Earth's atmosphere, and it has on it a microscopic organism that we sort of zoom in on, and we manage to see it infect a bug, which then starts to mutate, and the implication being that this has unleashed some sort of virus onto the Earth. And we skip forward uh, sometime where we see um, a family at home as um, the scenes of riots on TV the mum is getting sick. Riz Ahmed's character arrives, uh, who is a, a US Marine, and it turns out that these two kids are his uh, estranged kids. And he takes them away from their, their mother and they, they go on the run. And he reveals to them that he uh, works for a military unit that has been trying to deal with an extraterrestrial bug which is said to be taking over the population and he's taking them on a road trip to find sanctuary at a, a secret base. Now, there's a very 
invasion of the body snatchers vibe to encounter. It plays heavily on paranoia about who's being infected. There's the there's scenes where they get pulled over by the police who may or may not be infected. The only way you can tell is if you look closely into the eyes and can see the organisms at work. They're going to small towns where the population are sort of staring at them strangely at a distance. The paranoia is so intense that, that there's times where you start to question if um, what you're seeing is real or is it just in his head, that the kids start to question what's going on. It's a really successfully unsettling movie. There's, there's some really creepy moments as well with bugs, where, where you see bugs um, you know, uh, uh, around where no one else can notice them. There's, there's one scene where you can see them pouring out of his air conditioning unit and there's the implication that maybe these are spreading the infection and there's a real sense of paranoia and and it ties in probably you know, quite you know not not maybe so accidentally because this was filmed while covid was going on but what, what we've gone through with the last two years and being like you know distance with people it's got that sort of edge that we can probably relate to a, a little bit this film has has to be said has not set the uh, the uh, the review world on fire um, I really liked it. It reminded me a bit of Greenland and it took an established genre and gave it a more down-to-earth, uh, more personal point of view. One thing that really impressed me about this, and, and actually sort of, you know, what probably made the film was was the two kids in it because they had such great chemistry with Rizar Med. And to the extent that I was sure after, because I, I looked him a month after this, um, after I'd seen this film, and I was sure that it was going to turn out that they were actually related to Riz Ahmed because they, they just they just had this bond about them that just felt so natural. At, at times, you felt like you were watching some sort of like a, an, an ab lib um, um, performance. It was just so sort of natural. A lot of times, you see when you see films with child actors, even good child actors. They'll bring in good performances, but they don't come across as genuine kids. But that's one of the things why I think this worked as well is Riz Ahmed has just its likable quality about him in most of his work. You know, it's really easy to uh, to sympathise with him, and I think that that's what really elevated this film. But yeah, a really sort of you know tense paranoid film with quite a few twists along the way. With it being sort of like um, in the uh, American West, it was had some like real, really startling visuals. I really enjoyed this, and it was um, you know, like I say, a, a very unsettling, but you know, a, a really you know, I, I you know, for 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 straight to Amazon Prime movie, which I kind of hit and miss. I, I I personally really like this one. Okay, thank you. Anybody else seen it? No, and Scott, I've just put it straight on my watch list on Amazon. Yeah, I yeah. thought it'd be right up your street, this one, Graham. Yeah, yeah, and it's got uh, Octavia Spencer in it as well. She's a great actress. Were we missing the special effects of Moonfall? <laughs> Dear Lord. Just one, one thing as well. Um, this is very psychological tension based. It's not a, not so much horror and gore. So it is sort of, if, even if you're not into horror, I think, you know, that you'll, it, it's very palatable, I will say. So I was hoping to watch out before the show, but never had a chance. So uh, I'll catch up with that one now, definitely. Okay. The third film is what, Darren? So the third film is uh, Titan. This film is quite the experience. Titan is a French-Belgian movie and it's directed and written by Julia Ducournau, which again, I've probably completely um, butchered that uh, pronunciation. (laughs) 
And she is known for a film called Raw, which is something I still haven't had the nerve to, to go watch. I, it's basically a film about cannibalism. And I've had it on my um, my my DVD player for age and still uh, recorded and still not got around to watching because it's not sure I've got the stomach for it. Uh, pardon my pun. So... Anyway, this is this is one of those films where I'm going to be very vague on because this is a really powerful and shocking film. And I think the less you know about certain elements of the film, the, the better. So, so what I will tell you is that this is a film, it's about a woman called uh, Alexia, who as a child was, um, we see, was involved in a, um, a car accident. And as a result of this, she has to have an operation where she has a steel plate fitted into her skull. And it's hinted at very early on that because of this, she may or, or maybe not have developed a, um, a strange fixation on cars. We fast forward her into her adult life and she's basically making a, a living as a um, erotic dancer where she specialises in working at car shows where she dances sexually on the top of cars and becomes a bit of a, um, a celebrity in this field. Now, without giving too much away about Alexia and her lifestyle, something happens that forces her to go on the run. And she comes up with a plan to go into hiding when she sees this family on TV who had a son called Adrian who went missing as a child some 10 years ago. And her father, who was a firefighter, has never given up hope of him turning up alive and well. So what she does is she completely alters her appearance to pass herself off as this boy, Adrian. She takes up her breasts, she smashes herself in the face to change her um, her complexion so she looks more boyish, and she goes to the police pretending to be this uh, missing child grown-up, and her father turns up and he appears to believe her. And he takes her in and um, trains her to be a firefighter. So she's basically hiding out there, pretending to be um, this guy's long-lost son. When I say that this is one of the least weird and disturbing plot lines in this film, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. And this, this is how totally messed up in this, this film is. There's something that happens very early on in this film, which looks really weird and bizarre. And you think to yourself, it's what is happening what I think is happening? And the answer is probably yes. And then as the oh, film God. progresses, you start to think to yourself that there's a subplot in there where you think, is this is this going the way I think this is going? Is, is what's happening <laughs> what I think is happening? And again, the answer is yes, it probably is. <laughs> this is an absolutely wild and disturbing film. I can't even describe how disturbing this film is. It is very intense. There is a big body horror element to it. There's, there's bits in there that happen that you completely can't believe what you're watching. It's also completely and amazingly unforgettable. Whether you love this film or whether you recoil in horror, and I felt at times a little bit of both, you cannot come away with this film and, and forget about it. Even now, weeks later, it's just still, when I think about it, it's still I'm etched in my mind. I can be sort of like, you know, completely visualising, even though I've only seen it the once. And, and I've got to say as well, just as a personal thing, normally when I watch a, a film and I'm done watching films for a day, I just get in my car, go, drive straight home. 
with this one, I felt so weird and out of sorts coming out of the cinema that I had to sit down in the coffee shop uh, in the cinema and, and get a coffee and a and a, um, and a, and a, and a, a cookie or something just to kind of come down a little bit. Cause I just it just felt such a and process what what it is that I just seen. It's it's not a pleasant film to watch. But if you're open-minded and not put off by something being really weird, and if you have a bit of a strong stomach, you will be rewarded with one of the most hypnotic and imaginative movies that you've seen in a a long time. It's absolutely, whether you like it or not, it's absolutely an amazing film. I would love to hear other people's feedback on this because I thought it was incredible. From what you're describing, it sounds a little bit like David Cronenberg's film Crash. Mm. Yeah, it has it has elements of that. You can see little bit, uh, bits of, of that in there. But it's got that it's got that very surreal weirdness to it, you know. But but in a way, it's also strangely a little more. Although it's as as weird as as that, I, I would say it's probably easier to follow as a story. Okay. You know, you, you sort of know what's going on the whole time. It's 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 not massively ambiguous, like you know, it's uh, it's hard to explain, but it's really accessible to to watch. It's just what you're seeing is is really weird. When and like I say, everything that you start to think is 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 this what's happening? Then then it is. Okay, well, we're going to have to send Neil in to watch this and get his view. Mm. <laughs> She's quite a striking actress. So- Face is quite striking. Is that well, before or after she was punched from the start? That's I don't know. But good grief! Yeah, dear Phil, it's absolutely on my watch list. It just is no. There was no cinema like within a forty-mile radius of me showing it, so I'm going to have to catch it on video on demand. All right. Yeah, I, I will say this: when you talk about you know a bit the actress in it, you, you'll not see a more out there performance this year. From from anybody else, you know, she 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 was, at, you know, it's 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 a performance I've not seen anything like, it and sort of, you know, really really laid. I, th- I think if she was an, an American speaking actress in an American speaking film, she'd have got an Oscar nomination for this. I got three, so yeah, okay. Mm. Well, I almost feel normal returning to TV evangelists now with our last film, <laughs> The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Over to you, Darren. <laughs> The Eyes of Tammy Faye, directed by Michael Shawlater. And it stars uh, Jessica Chastain as Timothy Faye Baker, uh, who is barely recognisable at times, by the way. And mm. um, Andrew Garfield as the evangelist Jim Baker. And it's uh, basically a, a biopic of the lives of the, uh, of the Bakers, who, uh, for those of us who are around the 80s, we will remember this very weird period in uh, making history with the uh, the evangelist movement and these were these preachers who would go on tv uh, spreading the word of god in this really um flamboyant manner and they would make absolute millions um you know getting pledges and donations from their rabid christian audiences the film follows their their lives their, their meeting Getting married, becoming a fixture on TV, how they rose through the uh, you know the, the into into the uh, being rich and famous, and the scandals that racked the the entire evangelist movement, and eventually them losing everything they had due to the frauds and the final financial crimes that they were committing, but finally caught up with them. 
for, for me, this was a really interesting story because although I was around when the evangelists were prominent on TV, I didn't know how all the details and the hows and the whatnots. I pretty much knew that they were these bullshit artists who were very good at uh, getting money out of people. To no surprise, it turned out that they were all um, corrupt as um, hell. And what I found surprising about this was basically the character of, of Tammy. Because I've seen I'd seen her on TV as just this sort of like you know, over the top, really bizarrely dressed woman who was almost a you know this, this complete caricature. Um, but what I found is that she did have a sort of you know a, a, a good side as well. She was, and you know, considering the environment that she was in, she was very supportive of the gay community, and uh, which was a very brave stance, especially at the time when um, AIDS was um, prevalent especially in uh, such a conservative environment as she was um, in and spent a time during the Reagan administration, you know, there wasn't a lot of sympathy for gay rights, it has to be said, within the mainstream. And one of the best scenes in this film was when she actually interviews a AIDS sufferer on, um, on her television. And that was something that shocked her fellow Christians on the network and was something like a, a really brave stance for her, for her to take, and that was something like you know really admirable, and and gave it you know a bit of you know a depth to her as a, as a person. The performances throughout this film are great. Uh, Jessica Chastain, uh, she's got a Best Actress nomination for for this, and like I say, it's a really interesting, fascinating story. My my problem with it is, I just feel that this could have been so much more. And and again, I don't like to criticize a movie because it doesn't do a film how I would like it to be. It's just that the, the, the subject matter of this is so over the top and weird. And there was so much you know, pomp and circumstance. And let, let's, let's just say complete camp when it comes to the, um, you know, the, the performances of the uh, evangelist and just so sort of, you know, right for parody. I really think that this was an opportunity where you could have done something more creative with his story you could possibly have um, have told it in a way that you, you would see where, where films like Big Short and Bombshell and I Tonya have done, where you got sort of like you know the um, you know the, talking to the camera, the fourth wall breaking, and things like that, and basically just really embellishing on the over topness. And and it doesn't do this. It, it basically plays and is directed and is presented a lot like a um, a really good TV serial or a movie. It's only really at the end that it really embraces the, the weird spectacle of what the evangelists were, were like. And I, I really do think that there, there, is a, there is a bigger story that could be told here. Um, for, you know, for example, I think these were maybe the most famous, but they weren't the only ones the, um, you know, the, for, uh, who were evangelists. For example, was Jimmy Swaggart, who did this absolutely unintentionally hilarious Yes, the infamous crying on TV bit when he um, had to apologise because he'd been caught having an affair with somebody and he blamed it all on Satan and apologised to his parishioner. It's one of the funniest things you will you'll see. Just check it out on YouTube. But the fact of, and the scary thing is that it worked on so many of, the, um, of, of his supporters. So there's so many things that you could do a film about on the evangelist for, for, for the fact that why people were sort of so taken in by these people, you know, these 
these these preachers who it turns out were completely full of crap they were all embezzling money they were all having these sordid um, sex affairs behind the scenes and there was this rivalry between them there was so much hypocrisy going on in there and I think there's just a big move that could could be made about this. And as it is, it focuses on this one couple, and and it does that really, really well. It's a good bi- biopic, but but there was there were a lot of questions I had coming out of this. Like, were, were there people that got into this with the best intentions, but then got seduced by over money, or were they always um, were they always basically con artists? things like that which it never really sort of addressed and again it didn't really address you know who their audiences were why it worked worked it so much you know in and, and went on for so long why so many people were conned on and and to be honest to this day because the evangelists have never gone away they're still there today what we got was a you know a really good and interesting movie but that's what i say it was it was interesting i just felt there could have been so much more Okay, thank you. Phil, you've seen this one. Yeah, um, I actually watched this in a double bill with Bell because I had to travel to watch both of these. So I thought, why not watch uh, a Japanese anime and a, a TV evangelist biopic, one after the other? Oh, makes sense, right? Like Peaches and um, Green. Hmm. Yeah, so I liked it. It's one of those films that you happily just give it three stars because it's not, special but it's not terrible in any way either I felt that it was kind of both a whirlwind of a rush because it covers about 40 years of their lives but also dragged on a little bit too long and I also felt and I don't know this is like I completely like my cynical sort of belief but I felt that it painted Tammy Faye as as quite a sympathetic character and like naive and innocent and completely unaware of what her husband was doing. And I just felt really, but what what Darren's just said about, it doesn't totally dig into their, their sort of reasons and stuff. It does kind of feel like it's saying that, you know, they did go into it in good intentions and that she absolutely had good intentions and was completely naive to what was going on around her. It's it's the kind of film that you'll enjoy it, it'll pass time and will make you kind of think, I need, I need more info now, I need to understand a bit more, I need to get a bit more depth. And Andrew Garfield and Jessica Chastain are really, really good, they're brilliant. Definitely the sort of you know, Oscar baiting lead performances, but I think this one, you know, because it's not captured you know, people's imaginations, just sort of fell by the wayside in that regard. Okay, still one I'd be interested in watching, though. I must admit. Right, Darren, over to you then. What's the dash film of the month? Um, it's a difficult one because um, Bell was absolutely wonderful, and Titan was just so completely unforgettable and and um, original and amazing but i've got to go with the film that was my favorite that sort of you know i responded to the best and i've got to say that's bell because it was just absolutely hypnotic and, and beautiful hmm. okay thank you very Excellent. much for that thank you yes so gentlemen i can safely announce that's a wrap and the darren's dash at the flicks is in the can 
Yep, it's great to have the dash back. Our listeners have been missing it. I've been yeah, getting good. mails. I don't yeah. get mails about anything I ever say. <laughs> Thank you for anyone who's been waiting. Um, hope you enjoy it and goodbye from me. It's Chinatown.